welcome. This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly Dykandrew. We are two moms currently down in the trenches of parenthood. We want to create a community of support and encouragement as we set out to find the answers to the parenting questions that everyone is asking. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. Today, we are talking about cell phones and technology, which to me feels like arguably the biggest and loudest influence in our kids' and adults' lives today. We actually have a larger crew in the studio today, so I'm going to open it up and allow you guys to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, I'm Caleb. I am the website developer here at Christ Community Chapel. Um, I have a background in IT and technology, um, and I'm passionate about helping other people understand technology and the benefits and the downfalls that come along with that. And I just want to preface that I am not a parent. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Alyssa Hyatt, and I work at CVC in the admissions office. We, Steve and I have four kids, uh, Right now, they're 21, 19, 17, and 14, so two in college, one in high school, and one in middle school. So we've been doing this long enough to have made a few mistakes and learned a few things along the way. So, Okay, I'm Steve Hyatt, and I'm the director of Orchard NEO at CCC, and um, I actually just transitioned from being a high school middle school teacher uh, for the past 12 years, and before that, we were missionaries in China. Um, which is actually where I had my first cell phone, oh. speaking of technology. So, yeah, I was 26. Yeah, okay. I was going to ask how old you were when if you If I waited until my kids were 26 to, g- to give the phone, we'd have a, we'd have a revolution over here. Um, a, a funny, real fast little thing. Um, my brother is eight years older than I am, and my brother and I got a cell phone the exact same day, oh, <laughs> which is wow. funny in yeah. just how the world was moving at the time. I think he had just graduated – college maybe and I was just starting as a freshman in high school and he handled that okay oh he was fine my brother Jeremy Coffey um I think within the last year and a half got a smartphone for the first time oh That's, wow that feels right <laughs> however that feels right I on par for him was in the same situation I was the Jeremy because like I the cell phones mm-hmm. came out earlier like we had we sh- I shared it while I was in high school I shared it with my mom while I was in high school I was 18 mm-hmm. and I'm like can I use the cell phone um and so then I would go away to college and had my first cell phone when I went, went away to college and then my brother was like getting one at the same time and I did not handle it well I was like <laughs> this is not fair I do not agree shockingly I'm pretty sure Jeremy <laughs> Jeremy didn't care Um, Speaking of uh, just when you get phones, this is kind of the first question. Um, How do you know when your kid is ready for a phone? Is it a set age? Does it depend on the kid? Kind of give us some wisdom on that. So we uh, generally have a rule in our house that um, kids are about 13. Um, Part of that is because of necessity. Once they get into middle school, they're going to after school programming and things like that um, where we want to get a hold of them. So it's partially selfish. Uh, the same way that we want our kids to drive is partially selfish. We want them to be able to <laughs> take themselves somewhere so we don't have to. Yep. And so having a phone is a way for us to get a hold of them, and it's actually prefaced that way even when we get, give them the phone. Um, hey, this is a way for us to communicate with each other. Um, and so that's kind of how we start them off. Part of that's based on their responsibility level. Um, we do have – we have had times when our kids – were not as responsible, mm-hmm. and so we actually waited um, until they were a little bit older. So that was that was sort of uh, our policy. Um, our our youngest is fourteen, uh, so we um, we wanted to make sure. I mean, you know, 
cell phones are all kinds of prices, but most of them are pretty expensive. And so um, it, it's kind of hard with a 13-year-old when they're not even responsible with their T-shirts, mm-hmm. uh, their coats. Um, and you give them like a $300 phone or a $500 phone or something like that. So um, we really want to make sure that they're responsible. Yeah, with that, two out of the four, when they turned 13, we deemed that they were not ready. And part of that was that they had not respected the rules with our, what we were calling the house phone at the time. And so the thought was, if you're not being responsible with this, you certainly aren't ready to have your own. Um, So one of them waited another six months, and the other one waited a full year beyond that. So um, they might have thought 13 was going to be some sort of magical number, but it really was child by child. We did actually have a, an iPod that we were letting mm-hmm. one of them use, and I think there was a texting capability on that, yeah. and it wasn't being used properly either. It was like 11 o'clock at night, and we went in there, and they're texting or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like, ah, not ready. Not ready. Yeah. Alyssa, can you tell us a little bit more about the house phone? What is that? What did mm-hmm. that represent? It was a way that when we were out of the house, because we didn't have a landline at the time, we could still have access to our kids that were there that didn't have a cell phone. So it was a way of saying- They could also call 911. True. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 911 is helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it gave us a way to have contact with them. But it also created a little bit of a trial period. Like, is it drifting into your room? Are you using it appropriately? Um, That was the same idea with the iPod. The student, I have to be careful, he or she, um, the student was not, our child was not ready yet for the phone, but we thought, well, let's try an iPod. You you can listen to music and you can message us. Um, But then through that, we learned that, you know, the ability to self-regulate, they weren't quite ready for that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Okay. How about because uh, it sounds like we started with smartphones. So mm-hmm. I know, I think you can buy phones that are not smartphones. You can. Oh, okay, that's good to know. So <laughs> is it is there any value in saying, okay, we're going to start with a non-smartphone? Or is it kind of like, uh, no, if you're not ready for that, if you're not ready for a phone in any capability, we're not going to start somewhere. Is there any kind of thought process behind that? I've, I've heard that there are phones that just do texting and the, calling. There are some phones available that do just texting and calling. The downside, though, is a lot of them still have web- web browsers or mm. app stores on them. And because they're like not smartphones, they're just normal, you can't lock those down in any way. That's good to know. So that's good to know of like if you're looking into wanting to have some sort of control or parent controls on your, your child's device, that if it's not a smartphone, it is much harder to do that. Hmm. That's good, that's good to know. Yeah. So we, we started with the smartphone and then dumbed it down. Okay. So we turned yeah. off the internet and we we – still have access to the app. We have access to the Apple ID for our two, like, high school and middle school students. So they can't add or delete apps. Um, Yeah, they can't control the settings on it. That's generally what I recommend is, like, find a smartphone that's affordable for your budget, whether that's a second-hand phone or that's a a cheap entry-level one, um, and dumb it down to be the basic communication if that's where you want to start. Are there, like, tutorials on how to dumb down a phone? Because I'm not sure I would know how to do some of that Uh, stuff. It depends on what brand of phone. Um, Like, if you have an iPhone, Apple has a very detailed um, support article on how to access the parent controls on their phones and on their devices. Um, If you go with Android or other phones, like, it's a little more difficult because you have to figure out for that specific phone how you would do it. Um, But there there are possibilities and there are tutorials out there on how to do it. I've watched a good number of YouTube videos. On where to go and how to find those. And are there bypasses? Like, can your kid figure out the bypass through the parental control? We have a password on ours mm-hmm. that they don't know. Okay. And we actually have them hand 
us their phone. Mm-hmm. We put in the password, and then we can get in and access the, the parental controls. The nice it. thing on iPhones is it'll tell you how many times someone has attempted the passcode mm-hmm. if they try yes. to get around it. Mm-hmm. iPhones, looking out for parents mm-hmm. and probably thieves, but, <laughs> but also parents. <laughs> well, and even the iPhone, too. Uh, so instead of having to put in the passcode, like my son, has, it sends a request to me and mm-hmm. I have to put in my face ID on okay. my phone to allow it. So it's not even like he could take his phone and mm-hmm. I'm sleeping and he could put my face ID. Like it has to be on my phone, the face ID to allow, like you can you can have this app. So Like an app or even a, a, to request additional screen time if you mm-hmm. were to limit the amount of time they can use for different applications or things. Yeah. Right. Our kids actually will send us a request that shows up on our phone. And it's in it, um, you know, hey, can I have additional time on this? And then we can give them either like no, yes or no, uh, 15 minutes, an hour. Um, so depending on the situation, sometimes we might give more time on a weekend. We know that the homework's done or mm-hmm. whatever. And so we'll help them out that way. What is something that's safe and what is not safe when you're talking about technology and cell phones? It's a pretty broad question. Well, yeah, maybe like what's... When, so, Kayla, when you hear, like, hey, what's safe on a phone? Like, what's the most unsafe thing? I guess let's start there. Like, um, The most unsafe thing would be giving your child a completely unrestricted cell phone, okay. like, with nothing locked down on it, um, just because of the number of places you can go to easily and even accidentally. Like, even if your child isn't seeking out bad things, they can still stumble across that. Um, so that's one thing I always say is, like, even if you don't want to go into the the detailed of locking down your child's phone, like, at least do something, like, mm-hmm. and not just give them the, the all access. Yeah, that's great. Um, even, I know, Caleb, you and I were talking one day, and this is kind of how this whole topic even came up. Uh, there was something happening on my son's phone, and I couldn't figure it out. And, and you said, well, it's because an ad is running in the background of a game that he's playing. So, mm-hmm. like, the game mm-hmm. was age-appropriate, but there are ads running in the background, and I didn't know what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess the question would be, like, what are things that parents can miss about keeping their kids safe? Because this was a yeah. huge, I was like, I didn't know to be looking at ads on games. I'm just looking at the content of the game. Yeah, so. for sure. So, something that is good to remember um, in life, but especially in this, is that there is a reason that things are free. Uh-huh. Um, free games or free apps have a reason that they're free. They have to make money somehow. So whether that's through ads or that's through some sort of other information that they're selling your personal information or they're using it in an exchange with another company, um, there's a reason things are free. So sometimes that's okay. You can trust free apps. I'm not saying don't don't trust free apps, but... Um, Sometimes that means that that comes with uh, advertising that might not be age appropriate for your child, or it comes with some other things like that where you don't quite have as much control or access. So all the app store listings, both on like Android and iPhones, um, will list out an age rating. Um, and that includes the advertising. So if you see like an app is rated for higher than you think it would, uh, like in this case, Holly, I think it was like rated like 14 or 16 plus or something. Um, and you're like, this game is like a frog jumping across the road. Why is it rated this? It's probably the advertising. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> okay, I know that some of this should have been common sense, but in my head, like the moment I see that something costs something, I'm like, ah. I'm not getting it. But this will completely change my mindset when Ezekiel's old enough to really see tablets and screen time that I would maybe look at the prices of things and be okay with spending it because it's going to protect him in the long run. Yeah. The other thing I think you need to be cautious of is what are we wanting to protect them from? So when mm-hmm. we talk about safety, uh, obviously it's, um, seeing inappropriate things 
is is definitely something we want to protect them from. But there are a lot of other things that we want to protect them from. So, for instance, um, there's a lot of bullying that can happen. Mm. Um, And so, you know, what kinds of things are being said on text threads? um, What kinds of things are being said, um, you know, in chats and things? Um, So uh, there are apps that you can be texting with other people that are sort of, uh, if you're only going on their phone, I know we, we can talk about this, but um, checking their phone on the text uh, is not necessarily the only mm-hmm. place that you can be texting people. Mm-hmm. And so um, those kinds of things don't always turn up. Uh, we actually have covenant eyes on all of our phones and computers. Um, so having a, a protective app that kind of oversees um, everything that we're that we're doing on technology is just something that helps us feel more assured. Uh, they can even use a browser through Covenant Eyes, um, and then it, it gives a report if something's coming up or something that um, maybe they're poking around and trying to explore a little bit. Yeah, another good one, too, that we found uh, is called Bark. Mm-hmm. And so it um, you you have to pay for the service. And you mm-hmm. pay for Covenant Eyes, mm-hmm. too, but... I obviously feel like it's worth it, but Bark monitors, um, you know, I even got a notification that it was bullying, you know, in a text, you know, and I looked it up oh, and wow. it, it was actually a video that my older son took of my younger son and the younger one is saying like, turn the camera off, stop. But it flagged to me like, hey, this is bullying. He's being recorded against his wishes. And so some of it is like, okay, it really wasn't bullying. Um, but it just, there are a lot of things out mm-hmm. there that help parents see all the things because like to Steve's point you think like oh I checked their text yeah. and it's fine but are they doing it in a different service through a different app and so having some sort of monitoring device yeah Covenant Eyes is a good one we use that one here at the church even with our staff members um, but that one is uh, like in the web browser it'll like take screenshots too periodically so you can review like the the list of websites that they visited but you can also see what they've been scrolling through mm-hmm. um, and like a history on that um, but some of the other ones Barker is good um you can kind of do a Google search and kind of find some different reviews and things out there. And sometimes like figuring out what works for your family, um, you might be combining a couple of these options together um, and doing some research into which ones work well together, which ones kind of step on each other's toes um, Mm. and that stuff. Uh, Yeah. So what apps should parents know about? Are there like names of apps? Are there particularly damaging apps? Like I know off the bat, uh, like Omegle is like Mm -hmm. a anonymous chat room app Mm -hmm. that uh, kids, you just go in and you get, where you're supposed to be 18, I think to use it, but you just put it. Yeah. Yeah. You just fake a birthday. You just fake a birthday. Yeah. And so then you're put in a chat room with anonymous people. And I know that's really big among teens. What are other things that you guys have seen or Caleb that you have said that say, Hey, this is pretty dangerous. If you see your kid asking this app, it looks harmless, but it's not. I mean, I I think maybe to back up just a little bit, even just the way that we think about the phone, um, you know, it's a, it's a computer. Um, so I, I think sometimes even like we, we call it a phone because that's what we call it, but Mm -hmm. that's not only what it is. And so I think, you know, the idea of maybe starting with a phone that only has texting and calling or something like that or having all of the other things dumbed down um, is a way to start. But then just kind of slowly adding things on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will oftentimes maybe only give them like one or two games at a time. Mm-hmm. And then if they get bored of those games, we can take those off and put more games on. But we just kind of don't feel like they need to have a thousand games. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of um, have them ask app by app as they grow older, is it okay if I have this app? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we we have kind of tried to hold our ground as long as we can on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Um, even then we kind of say, okay, well, 
you know, these are, you're only allowed to have these friends on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then it's, it's still, you know, problematic and I don't know, TikTok can actually go sideways as mm-hmm. well. Real fast. I mean, yeah. um, so there, there are a lot of things that we kind of, I don't know how you would have like a, they're like a red flag instead of like a green or a yellow yeah, or yeah. some system that you come up with, but mm-hmm. something that sort of says these are, these are ones that are more scary yeah. or dangerous. And I would just encourage parents to like, as the, if you do go with the app by app approach, like as a request comes in from your child, just like look up what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't just like blindly approve like, oh, this sounds like it should be fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and surprisingly, even Pinterest, which, you know, we would just use for home decorating and, you know, recipe ideas, you can access Pinterest to get to TikTok videos and, yeah. and all the rest of it. So, too, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, it sounds so benign, but I was really surprised when I found that out. Mm-hmm. The other problem with apps is that um, Covenant Eyes and other um, other apps that are supposed to be protecting, they don't always protect you from those apps. Mm-hmm. So like when you're searching within something else, it doesn't necessarily flag those mm-hmm. things. And so um, it might track there are the, limits. It might track the background activity sometimes, but it can't stop anything from showing up on the phone. Hmm. Okay. It can't block like if you even if you had hey block this type of site if it's yeah. in an app it maybe can't be blocked depends on how you have it set up if you have it blocked at like the root level of your device like so an iPhone like in the screen time settings or on Android like in the actual like parent controls from from Google it can block it sometimes it's they're not perfect um, but if it's in like another app like Bark or Covenantize it wouldn't it wouldn't have that level of access and what I'm hearing too is that although there are particular apps that may have a heightened level of danger a lot of apps even the benign ones as far as Instagram or TikTok mm-hmm. or something that seems like it should just be fun has a capability of being damaging so almost mm-hmm. just keeping attention on your child and if they are showing signs of anything that's going on or a difference of behavior to really highlight that. And that's what we say so much in so many different topics in this podcast of just know your kids and know when their behavior changes because that's mm-hmm. a clue to something going on. And it could be phone stuff. It could be a myriad of different things, but just knowing them enough to see the attitude change. Yeah. And I would even say in that safety and protection um, there, there's something, there's something to say about protecting them from themselves, yeah. uh, where where they sort of become so engrossed in whatever it is on their phone that they sort of drop off the map in terms of uh, friendships or you know um, being social at home or those kinds of things. And so we we've done a number of things with our kids to kind of help them to continue to be social, mm-hmm. so they don't become a hermit in their own room, huh. you know. So. Um, there are sort of those addictive qualities that happen mm-hmm. when you're on your phone, right? I mean, um, they, they talk about getting, you know, a certain dopamine hit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it sort of becomes like a drug in that sense. So, uh, yeah, we have we have tried to do those kind of protective things mm-hmm. as well. I think that's a really good point, too, of just not um, necessarily pacifying something away as teenage angstiness of just wanting to be in their room and be isolated. Um, in my previous job, I've done it. I did a case where a child was very engrossed in their tablet and always having headphones. The mom even bought the child headphones because the noise was kind of bothering her and she was always on the phone. Unbeknownst to the mom, she was constantly talking to her abuser. But the mom didn't know this because she just kind of chalked it up to – my kid is a teenager who wants to talk to her friends and I'm just going to let it happen. And so just knowing that these things can happen almost 
wide out in the open without you knowing if you're not doing that extra intentional looking and not just chalking it up to a phase of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've we've talked a little bit about uh, like being exposed to certain things, um, but what about like being exposed to people? So this idea of you've got a device, a computer uh, in your hand, and so how do you protect them from kind of speaking to adults or people that aren't safe for them or um, them from giving out information that could be harmful? There, uh, I would just say, like being like we've already talked about, being aware of what apps they're using and are you're approving for them to have. Um, as far as like texting goes, where it's a little harder to to control that, um, there are ways that you can kind of lock down who they like through allowed contacts, like mm-hmm. who they are allowed to text. Um, and you could set up either like hours of the day that they're not allowed to text anyone else except certain people, um, or you could set up where like only these people are you're allowed to text always. Um, so you can kind of, again, that like how we were talking earlier, like phasing in um, your child's access. Yeah, and that includes like on apps where you are becoming friends with people. Uh, we try to limit just uh, who we know who they're friends with on the app. Um, and because we have access to their phone, we can go in and check that at any time. Um, and if there's ever any question, we can talk to them and say, hey, we don't know who this person is. Um, let's talk about how long you're going to not have your phone. Are you guys talking about the dangers with your kids? Like, are you saying, hey, this is why we don't want you to have this app. This is why, like, is that an open communication? You know, there's this fine line between like, do you want them to, do you want to let them know how bad the world is out there? And also like letting them make, fostering their ability to make healthy decisions on their own. Are you guys having those conversations? Mm -hmm. And that conversation evolves as they get older. It might start as we're not going to do this. And here's why. But then eventually they get to the age where they say, okay, but what about this? And they do have some very reasonable arguments. So we really have had to kind of step back and say, well, let's talk about that and come back to them and and say, okay, well, we hear you and we can see how this could be valuable for in this area of your relationships. And we're going to allow you to be friends with, you know, these people and we're going to ask you to keep it to that. And so just having a, a dialogue, because we do want them to feel heard, but also protected. Um, and then definitely as they progress through high school, knowing that as soon as college hits, mm-hmm. there's no plugging your phone in at yeah. the island in the kitchen and you know, someone saying, is your homework done? So we were really intentional with that senior year and even leading up to that to just slowly give them more and more responsibility and regulating their time. Um, that I think is really important so that they get to practice that. We, we try to let them be completely autonomous by their senior year with their phone. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, still reserve the right to take a look if we want to, but we also, um, by that point, um, you know, we want to show respect for them and, and it's uh, more of a conversation at that point. When they're younger, you know, when they're first starting with it, we just say, that, you know, generally there's there's bad stuff out there, you know. You need to be careful as they get older. And also, you know, new apps come out, and we don't really necessarily know what they are. Be Real came out. Um, and it's it's kind of a cool app, but um, we also didn't know what it was capable of. And, okay, so it just it takes time. And, hey, we're not close to this, but also, like, we need to figure out what it is and give us a minute and help us to figure it out. Do you guys, and this will be specifically to the Hyatts, but um, do you guys get any particular pushback when you do set a, a rule or an expectation with your kids because all their other friends are doing it? How do you handle that? Yeah, we, we do get pushback. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You've heard that line before. Yeah, yeah. we do. Um, I mean, I think even even like when you give the phone, 
we don't give a phone just because the other kids have one. And so we kind of try to set that trajectory at the beginning. Um, I let them know clearly it's my phone. Um, It's your color. It's your case. You know, uh, it has your name on it. But I paid for it, and I'm paying the bills for it. It's my phone. I'm happy to share it with you because I want you to learn how to use it, and I want you to be able to communicate with your friends. Um, But it is not your phone. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know that there's different ways that parents approach that, um, and that's fine. Um, I think – it sets a tone, though, from the beginning when they can just kind of know, like, oh, this is um, this is important. It's a tool. It's a responsibility. It's not a privilege. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, knowing that uh, when I'm responsible, I get to have privileges helps them when an app comes or when they're asking for something. We can kind of say, hey, you know what? You, um, you haven't been getting your homework done lately or you um, have been spending a lot of time – uh, on TV or you haven't been managing your time well, you haven't been, you've been losing things. Like why, why would we give you a privilege when you can't take care of your responsibilities? And I think we kind of keep it in those kinds of conversations. In addition to that, um, we do have conversations about, okay, we, we don't really have a good, we try to say yes as much as we can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if we run out of good reasons for a no, I guess we kind of say, okay, fine. You know, I'll let you have that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, we're probably getting the biggest pushback on Snapchat. And obviously the concern there is that, what, the message and the pictures can disappear. Messages disappear. Right. So that that doesn't – I mean, until you truly trust your child on all levels, I mean, there's a lot that can go sideways with that. And so we – Even when you trust them, right, things things happen and – Yeah. Yeah. Very true. When you can't control what other people send your kid right. to, even if you true. trusted your kid right. completely. Yeah. So that one we've been extra cautious about. And I think with the high schooler, we've said you can be on with these particular people, basically siblings and a couple friends, just kind of starting out. But it does sometimes feel like a slippery slope. Like how quickly are we going to, you know, well, before you know it, she will be in college and then she will be self-regulating. So let's give her some practice ground just with people she knows well. Um, even the 14-year-old, he is on Be Real. His friends are his family, his cousins, yeah. his siblings, significant others. It's a tight circle. But it gives us a chance to see, is he going to respect that boundary? You know, if we look and those are still his friends, he hasn't secretly added all these other people. Okay, that's a good test. So, yeah. I want to dive a little bit deeper into some of the more tangible rules. Um, but Kayla, real quick, just because we talked a little, we've touched a little bit on social media, because that mm-hmm. is obviously like a uh, a hot topic. Are there uh, some social media that's safer than others? Um, or are can you have parental controls on social media? Or is there anything you can add as far as the technology piece into like parents deciding when their kids can have social media? There isn't really anything that you can limit um, as far as social media. It's more like how much are you wanting to keep up on it? And there are some tools that exist that can help you with that. Like Bark will help you monitor your child's social media. There's a couple other platforms that will do that as well, where like it can help scan posts that they're they're making or chats that they're uh, engaged in with friends. Or uh, and it, But it can't control what they're scrolling through, and it can't really show you any of the details of like that stuff. Would you be able to know if they have an account for you and an account for like their friends? Mm-hmm. Is that something that Bark or Covenant Eyes would expose you to or that's just like they can do that? I mean, they would be signed into it somehow. Okay. Um, they're not going to want to have to sign in like separately 
every t- every time they want to go scroll Instagram. So there is a way like in Instagram or in mm-hmm. uh, some other apps where you can see if there's multiple accounts okay. linked. Um, and so that would be something to look for too. You bring up a good point though. It's it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like if you know you when you want to check your your kid's phone that you're going to look at their their texting and every single app and the messaging that happens within each of those apps and then you you know okay is there a finsta like all all of that it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So um I think it can lead to a lot of fear and I think the bottom line is there just there has to be that ongoing dialogue and relationship with mm-hmm. your kid. Mm-hmm. Um, that that comes back to character mm-hmm. and and just knowing your kid and and mm-hmm. uh, kind of what you were talking about earlier. You know, mm-hmm. um, can they can they generally handle these things and um, are they are they going to be trustworthy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it almost relates to real world as well. There, You cannot bubble wrap your kids in the real world either. I think that there are great boundaries and things that you can set and controls that you can set on social media or on technology in general, um, but you can't protect them from everything. Or like you said, you will be exhausted and mm-hmm. the relationship will probably be strained and you know there will be no point for them having it. So I think that's a good, it's a good expectation to set of – you have to, there has to be some trust. Mm-hmm. They will build that trust as they get older, but there has to be some foundation of trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they really, I mean, they really have to learn to honor God with mm-hmm. each part of their life. And so, you know, if it's they're not able to to honor God or uh, respect, have respect or carry out your faith through your phone, you know, what other areas of life is that going to carry over? And so I, I feel like that's the character piece of like, hey, are you ready? How how can, you know, it seems silly. Like, are you going to honor God with your phone? Like, yeah, you, you are. So like, how, how does that actually play out day to day? So um, will you guys walk us through some of the kind of practical boundaries for some listeners that are like, okay, we want to get our phone, our kid a phone. What kind of practical boundaries should we have in our home? You've alluded to some, but give mm-hmm. us maybe a few solid ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think outside of dumbing down the smartphone to start, we also keep phones out of rooms, out mm-hmm. of the bedroom, especially at first. Um, when we're in the car together, we are not on our phones. Um, we ask for been- permission um, from each other to use the phone. Uh, if we're in the car or even if we're in the same room. So um, if you're on your phone, you know, we want them to put it down or say, hey, I'm playing a game. Is that okay? Um, or if we're in the car, hey, somebody just texted me. Is it okay if I text them back? Just because it's polite. You can't see what's on the phone. Um, so you don't know if they're on their Bible or if they're messing around with something. Yeah. Um, so we're like, look, um, try to be present with the people who are with you. Um, because you can always text that person back later. Like, you know, they're not going to think that you fell off the face of the earth just because you don't text them back in the next three mm-hmm. seconds. <laughs> so it's okay. Um, and so some of those uh, kind of boundaries where it doesn't rule their life. Trying to instill that, and it's hard to model it. I mean, the number of times where he's looked over in the car at me and been like, babe, get off your phone. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I'm just doing this thing with the bank, and I'm doing so. You know, like, I, I'm not – Listen to that. Like, I'm just as locked into it as yeah. as our kids can be drawn into it. So trying, trying, trying to help them, like you said, be present with the people in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, cell phones are often accused of, yeah, taking making it such that our kids don't know how to interact with other mm-hmm. human beings. And so really trying to, this is a tool, but let's be together and let's use the tool for what it is when it's the right time. And what a great muscle to practice flexing of just not being – 
a slave to the urgency that cell phones create. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am a notifications person, and so I hate them. Same my now. husband is not, and I don't understand. He has like thousands. Those red dots oh, all over his phone. Oh, my word. Yes. Not. Anxiety inducing. It, it creates such an impolite urgency that when something happens, I feel like I have to respond right here. And the truth of it is it's okay. It can wait. No one's going to think that I fell off the side of a cliff. And what a great thing to start modeling now before my kids start to grow up because uh, I can imagine that mm-hmm. being a struggle in the future. I grew up with a similar rule uh, to the Hyatts of like there were technology-free zones in our in our house. Um, bedrooms were, were a technology-free zone. Um, the car was a technology-free zone. And there were technology-free times like dinner was no mm-hmm. no phones at the dinner table. Um, and then we had a, a, a centralized charging station at the house where all phones were turned in, phones, tablets, watches, any any smart connected device turned into the charging station by a certain time, and then yep, you went to bed. Do you, um, when your kids have friends over, does that rule stand? So like if someone comes over, are they do they leave their phones in the kitchen or can they take them to bedrooms? We, we've generally um, not given out our Wi-Fi password mm. because we want um, we want them to know that we don't prioritize – we want them to be together, so we're prioritizing that. We don't prioritize them being together on technology per se. So if it's really that important, you can eat up your own minutes for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, look, you're together. Just do something where you're playing a board game or just go outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so – We've really tried to do those kinds of things with friends. Definitely don't let them have the phone if they're staying the night. It's, it doesn't go in the room. It does stay on, on the same level uh, as the like kitchen level with all their phones. True confession. I mean, I feel like with the older one, when he f- when his friends were over, I feel like back in the day we used to say, okay, everybody would bring their phones upstairs. I feel like we have slid a little bit there. You know, it's not like when— which is yeah. prone to happen, I suppose. It's one yeah. of those benefits of being that youngest child. Yeah. That's right. Some rules just start you know, to You know, it's funny. I That's think right. some things do, we do become more lenient, but there was something that our high schooler was calling us out on, like, well, so-and-so got this at such and such an age. And I said, well, your dad and I have gotten smarter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so well. in some senses, we, we're more aware. And so we're, bec- we're mm-hmm. tightening up in some areas. Well, as we wrap up with one more question, um, if parents hear one thing about cell phones or technology, what do you want them to hear today? Um, I would just encourage parents to stay informed. I know it's really hard to try to keep up with everything, um, but there are some good resources out there. Um, like knowing when there's a new software update from your phone's maker, um, like if Apple's putting out a new update, that you kind of know what those new features are that might be adding access or take adding more parent control. Um, and then also um, with apps that keep coming out. Um, so like giving your child a phone is adding responsibility to you almost probably more than yes. it is your child. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. I think for me, it, it boils down to relationship. I feel like in some ways we've erred on the side of, let's just create a bunch of rules. And I think as the years have gone on, it's just helped me realize that unless we're having that regular conversation with our kids and building trust and building into them, then then rules or no rules, it's not going to help. That's not what it's all about. Um, so I feel like we're getting better at that. Um, being here doesn't mean we're experts at that. <laughs> um, so still working on that. 
Yeah, I would just point to love and wisdom. I think that um, you know, letting letting your child know that you love them and that this this is the reason why you're going in this direction, and this is what you feel like is best for the family to love them and to see them be healthy. Um, and that you're just trying to be wise and that God's called us as parents to, to be wise um, in some ways to be the prefrontal cortex for our children when it's underdeveloped until they're 23. Yep. So Maybe longer. Maybe longer. <laughs> maybe a testament to longer. Yeah. So, yeah, just, just having wisdom and helping them even um, start to use those grids as the way that they kind of start to walk as well. And so you're modeling that for them. We are so thankful that you guys uh, were willing to come and share your wisdom and your practical tips. Uh, I know I personally gleaned several uh, bits there. 